Welcome to Purpose and Productivity, a podcast made possible by the SkyPass Group of Companies and SkyLife Success. Join Krish Dunham, an author and speaker whose messaging has been described as the junction where God's ability and man's availability meet hope's accessibility. Welcome to a fabulous Monday. Hope you guys had a sensational weekend or strong end, as Bernie Lofchek says. Talking about ranking achievement. We are at that cusp point where much of the pandemic is behind us in terms of inactivity, but the results and the diagnosis that is still going on in terms of the number of cases and all that is ongoing. But experts are all saying we may be closer to some kind of a cure. So there is a semblance of normalcy slowly but surely beginning to emerge. And as a result, uh, many people are now going back to the basics and trying to look at what are the goals and dreams and achievements and aspirations they have. The funniest thing I saw was something I saw this morning saying when uh, daylight savings time comes again, nobody in their right mind would want to move their clocks back an hour as we would be inclined to do here in America and in also some parts of Europe because nobody wants an extra hour of 2020. Somebody else said hindsight is now going to be referred to as 2019 because nobody wants to look at 2020 in any kind of light. This is the year we have had a gruesome standstill, economic collapse, catastrophic downturn in productivity and purpose, a lot of dishevelment as it comes to relationships of being confined to each other, being confined with each other has caused a great amount of new opportunities at the same time an inordinate amount of stress. Travel has come to a standstill, meeting families as uh, almost non-existent, and we have paraded and parlayed ourselves in this virtual world ad nauseum. But the time is now, and we are to rank our achievement going forward if we are going to set some goals and have some dreams and focus on some aspirations then 2021 will be another year. And rather than wait till December 31st, why don't we start in September of this year planning and preparing our goals saying, you know what, from now I'm going to give myself a solid 15 months as my next year. I'm not going to go by the calendar year of January to December. I'm going to start now, do some pre-planning between now, get some of the load off my back that has been counterproductive investigate new opportunities. I started looking at some online courses to take in ministry and in apologetics. I'm exploring the options both here and in India. We have also successfully sent both the books off to the publisher and some of the content therein is being derived and we'll keep you updated on that. One of the books that is going to be released that is already online in an electronic format is a book called Missives, Maxims, and Mottos. Can you repeat that, please? Because a lot of people ask me to repeat some of the quotes I come up with on the fly. So we went and documented about 125 of them and categorized them into seven different areas. So one version of that, Missives, Maxims, and Mottos, is available on Amazon. But another one is being produced by a friend of mine, 
at Mal Publishing that also produced my book, uh, Abstracts to Absolutes. So we'll keep you posted on that on the skylifesuccess.com page as well as the chrishdenham.com page. And then the other book we're working on is a book called Twilight, How One Man's Unity in Verse Changed My Universe. And it is the journey I took with the late Mr. Zig Ziglar and how Acts 17.26 was the verse we used that found seven principles therein. I've talked a little bit about it, but I wanted to bring you up to date on the fact that all of that stuff has now left us. We are waiting for it to come back and we are waiting for them to give us the go ahead when we can tell the rest of the world that it is now ready for you to procure. Part of our goal is that uh, it will be available as an early stocking stuffer for those that want to share those ideas with those that you love and want to provide it uh, for them as some kind of a gift. But we'll give all of those instructions ahead. So this morning in that preparation, I was in the health club and I suddenly thought, let me talk about ranking achievement. It's a talk I've done in public before and for some companies where I gave five different moods. But what we talk about this basically is we use that journey of looking at a door and a window and a path and all of that. And I'll take you through that journey relatively quick. But here are a few quotes that uh, piqued my interest this morning in achievement. First, ask yourself, are there any contradictions that are preventing you from having the best foot forward? Which means is tradition or culture sidelining you? Is society and the supposed ideology you're supposed to have, embrace, reject, or counteract, uh, whichever it is, uh, causing some kind of consternation? Here's something I read. Systemic contradictions are more debilitating than the condemnation because after a while you either have to be bitter to all or jaded towards none, which means it's almost as if it's an all or nothing. When you walk around and people are protesting and they yell at you for not protesting, what they're saying is you have to be bitter about what I'm bitter. Now that's a systemic contradiction. I may not care for your methods or your methodologies, but I may care for your concern. I may care for the plight you're representing, but I may not agree with the demeanor which you, dis you, you display. But your challenge to me cannot be that unless you accept both my cause, unless you accept the conditions of those cause, and unless you accept the consequences that I display, you are uh, somehow not fit to have the same identity. So that's a systemic contradiction because it becomes more debilitating than the condemnation because what happens is when you come to me and attack me and tell me something. So the question I want to ask you is when you rank your achievement, are you ranking your achievement based on some of these systemic contradictions? Which means, are you looking at the future and telling yourself that there's no hope for you because you fall into one of those categories that's already been labeled? This is what was my prayer. I'm praying every day for wisdom and healing. The sin in our world has rendered us deflated, which is actually worse than defeated. In defeated, you stop running because you know you can't win. Deflated, you're forced to run slow, knowing you can never win. The enemy of hope is complacency, and being conditioned into complacency by listening to the messengers of misery is deflating productivity and purpose. Something else I wrote. New normal, social distancing, preventive measures, safe space, six feet apart, and other phrases are the conversation of today. Added to that, the need to emphasize that it is a face mask in case anyone thought of putting them on the knees or reminding us that there is a difference between hand and leg sanitizer. And you can understand where my humor stems from as I sit in an airplane where everyone has a mask where no two are alike. I wonder if the goal is to converse or control. 
If man needs to be reminded not to drink bleach and to wash their hands when we may be in for a more serious result, as that is the most normal thing that is learned from since childhood. Seemingly, the lexicon of offerings has changed and we have been invaded by new phraseology. Looks hyphenation has moved from identity to interaction. Humanity has now made it clear that reacting to fear will be the most appropriate course of action instead of responding to faith. As a result, the correctness of speech has deflated thinking by forcing us to reconsider what we, what we say every step of the way. This removes creativity and makes interaction robotic. We then may truly be following the accepted tunes of the proverbial Pied Piper leading us off a cliff we can't see at a pace we can't control along with people who are fearful and don't want to be seen with us to begin with. So let's begin with the five moods that uh, will allow us to rank our own achievement, get past these systemic contradictions, and allow us to look with logical fervor at tomorrow. Sometimes the emotional barometers, when they come against this logical fervor, emotion always seems to win. Every YouTube clip I see of a protest and a protester, it is almost like the shouting has to escalate to this maddening crescendo for people to consider themselves even viable. And when you ask them a legitimate question in soft tone saying, where is your data? And their response is, if I have to explain to you, then obviously you're part of the problem. That's where we have arrived at rhetoric. This morning I was reading a book uh, by John Lennox talking about creation from a scientific perspective, and that's what he said. Some of our rhetoric is just that. It's just rhetoric. It has no bearing in anything. So the first principle I articulated in ranking achievement is perception a window. How do you look at opportunity? When you look through the window in the morning, that perception you have about what is out there, do you look through the aim frame with the possibility of tomorrow? Or do you look through the blame frame with the negativity of yesterday? Do you carry the burden of something that you have not been able to solve and something you're not involved in, and that prevents you from looking through the window with hope for tomorrow? So perception is usually a window, and that perception, that very first aim or, for, or blame, will determine how you look at or how you address an opportunity. When I first came to the West, I had many perceptions about what my ability would be, but I quickly realized that my perception based on my ability was always steeped in the tradition where I came from, and it rendered me useless because I had all this baggage. But if I made my perception based on my availability, saying I'm going to accept what is offered to me and then learn. This morning, I posted something that inexperience, when you break the word down, is actually in experience. <laughs> inexperience is a negative because it, it tells people you're not qualified. But in that being, in that getting ready to be qualified, you're actually in a new kind of experience. So it's just the way you look at it. So the moment I started looking at my perception uh, through the window of aim and saying, I want to look at my availability and not my ability. That's when Mr. Ziegler wrote these words about me saying, there's not a job I've given him that is so big that he said, this is beyond me. Yet there was no job that was so small that he said, this is beneath me. So as a result of that perception being the window, you have to ask yourself, how do you look at that opportunity? So if perception is a window, preparation becomes the door. What do you do to get ready when you open that door to walk out? 
And I literally mean this. This is no longer a metaphoric door to walk out. We all walk through a door, whether it's the front door because your car is already on the driveway or whether you go through the garage door to enter into the garage or whether the front is so cluttered that you walk through the back door. But very few people in this world crawl out of their house on a window. Now, you may, depending on what you do for a living, as we found out yesterday in the, the little suburb I live in outside of Dallas, where there was actually a break-in into a house during the day on a Sunday. And uh, I don't know whether that person got in or out, but I'm assuming if that was your normal, you didn't ring the doorbell, you probably used the window. But for all of you who are not uh, participating in illegal ways to gain entry or gain exit from a place where you are operating, odds are you're using a door. So what do you do when you walk through that door? You know, there's an old adage, a door half empty is a half closed is also half open. The same works for a mind. A mind that is half open to all the possibilities is also half shut to all possibilities. And the same thing, if your mind is half open, it's releasing a lot of the good stuff too. So there is some kind of stability you have to ask yourself. And most of us, when we live inside the houses that we occupy, our doors are shut. We open those doors triumphantly to go out. And in that stage, what is your preparation? My preparation when I exit a door is not what I'm about to do where I'm headed, but how will I return home? What new thing will I have achieved? What new thing will I have learned? What new knowledge can I bring back when I come back through that door? Was it worthwhile? The same thing, when I put my head on the pillow at night, the question I ask myself is real simple. Is somebody glad you passed their way? So when you walk through that door, first, if perception is a window, how do you look at opportunity? Second, if preparation is a door, what do you do to get ready? My friend Brian Flanagan gave us a formula some years ago, and he called it Mr. Dopa. MR stood for make ready, DO stood for do, and PA stood for put away. In his course of an eight to five day, your make ready was 15 minutes before you arrived and before you started executing what you were hired to do. Your due was your eight to five, which is the actual number of eight hours you had morally agreed to participate in. And your put away was from five to 5.15. Unfortunately, most people uh, arrive at work and then begin the process of doing all the things they need to do to get ready for the day, like getting their coffee and all of that. And ultimately, you know, in order to give eight hours of productivity, your make ready time has to be before the productive time and your put away has to be after the productive time. That extra 30 minutes of investment in your life will do you good because you will have actually participated in the course of action for the prescribed period of time, which will yield greater result. Like I said, this is 3%. This is effective zone thinking. What do you do to get ready? Participation is a path. This is ongoing. Where do you begin your engagement? In customer service, we say any interaction you have with somebody, whether it's positive or negative, will contribute or affect or alter that encounter. So every engagement we have is part of the path. So you participate in every encounter. So one of the things that gives me joy and one of the things that will give you joy is when your participation is ongoing, you constantly ask yourself, I'm on this path, am I participating? I've left the door, I've left my perception, I'm on this path. I'm in line at the convenience store or at the corner of coffee shop in the morning getting my cup of coffee. There's a line in front of me. Do I have a warm smile on my face? Is my demeanor one of pleasant? Do people want to be around me? Or do I have a look on my face that uh, I've received, as Mr. Ziegler would say, postage due uh, mail, uh, junk mail that was postage due? 
or walking around like someone's licked all the red off my candy. Years ago when I was in telemarketing and I used to hear the statement smile and dial, I remember my boss would walk out to me and he says, you're not smiling. And if you're not smiling, the customer knows you're just going through the motions. How can the customer know that I'm not smiling? My tonality reflects it, my attitude, my demeanor, my conversation, my inflection, everything reflects your enthusiasm. So participation is a path. Where do you begin your engagement? I say as soon as you leave the door, change the way you greet people, change the way you respond. And there are many ways in which you can do this. Some are cute, some become uh, habitual over a period of time. But some of the ones I picked up and I picked these up from Mr. Ziegler were when people would say, how are you doing? He'll say better than good. What happens is the 50% who don't feel that way will leave you alone and the 50% who want to be influenced will now realize that's a great response. At night when he's asked the question, uh, good, eve good, mor good morning or good evening, he would respond always good morning. Like if someone came and said good evening, he would say good morning. And people say by this evening, he'll say, well, the best part of the day is still in front of me. And that was just a perception response that was based on his participation saying, hey, I'm on this path when do I engage? So if someone says, how are you doing? And he responds better than good. Or if they say, do you really feel that way? He says, I just tell the truth in advance. Or uh, how are you doing? I'm doing incredible, but I'm getting better. Like I said, some will be cute. Some will become habitual. But one of the things that has become habitual for me is if you ever say good morning, I usually say it sure is. And they look at me and say, that's different. Or January 1, I may say Merry Christmas. Christmas was just seven days ago, and people will say, well, we just finished Christmas. I'll say I'm an overachiever, and I want to be the first one to wish you a Merry Christmas for this year. And they remember you. So participation is a path. Where do you begin your engagement? Performance is the journey. When do you evaluate along the way? Checks and balances, benchmarks, constantly ask yourself. Even during conversation, when people call me to engage with me at a dinner table, many a time they'll ask me questions on apologetics or questions on faith or questions on altering worldviews or whatever they find fascinating about my profession and what I do. About five minutes into it, if I take them down a rant of history, I'll pause and say, hey, excuse me, am I boring you? And the reason I do that is I know they are engaged and I know they're going to be simple. Uh, they're going to be very uh, complimentary and accommodating to me. But when you ask that question, what you're doing to yourself is you're evaluating your own performance. You have to constantly use your checks. And this is your, in communication, we say there's a 20,000 foot view where you look down at the world and see how beautiful it is. There's a 10,000 foot view where you look down the world and see how you would like it to be. And there's an interaction, which is ground floor, where you're coming and going. And those rotations or those ascensions and descensions between the 20,000 and the ground floor is your job. The person who's listening to you is not going to go up and down that level saying, oh, I think he's being philosophical or I think he's being practical. It's your job to make that adjustment. So performance is a journey. When do you evaluate? And lastly, praise becomes the benchmark. So if perception is a window, how do you look at opportunity? Preparation is a door. What do you do to get ready? Participation is a path. Where do you begin your engagement? Performance is a journey. When do you evaluate along the way? Praise becomes that benchmark whose applause matters. As a Christian, my applause will come in heaven. When I get to the other side, I want to hear the words that many of the saints and many of the faithful uh, heard when they got there. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I know there will be a judgment about what I did with this life and what I did with this knowledge. But I do believe that we have been given a mind and we've been given, given an identity that comes from God. 
And as a result, I do believe that that's the ultimate appraisal. But what about our temporal appraisal? What about the praise we receive along the way? Whose applause really does matter? I look for the applause of my loved ones. I look for the applause of my inner circle. I look for the applause of my parents. But outside of this, I allow very few people into that inner circle to beat me down. Because their applause, while it is complimentary, also has the element of constructive criticism. So I'm not looking for derision where someone will just destroy me completely. And I'm not looking for flattery where someone will uplift me completely. But I'm looking for that constructive criticism. That's the applause I crave. So ask yourself this week as you evaluate yourself and as you re-engineer yourself to rank the achievement going forward, to make 2021 the best year, to start now to make sure that we have a 15-month goal that we're going to start in September of 2020 and we're going to end in December of 2021. But we're going to get a three-month head start because we're not going to consider 2020 a loss. We're going to learn in this valley so that when we get to the peak, not if when we get to the peak, we can start ascending even greater. Until next time, this has been Purpose and Productivity. Thank you and God bless. That concludes another episode of Purpose and Productivity with Chris Dunham, brought to you by Skylife Success. Please subscribe, rate, and visit us on the web at chrisdunham.com and skylifesuccess.com, where you can find our social media links and access to additional resources. Till next time, happy learning and happy living.